All right, we're in Lesson 22 today. We're finishing up the last lesson in this in this second section of Proverbs, and actually we're going to be about making it through the halfway point of the book. The halfway point of the book. And so again, we've been looking at individual Proverbs from Solomon. And uh, with these individual Proverbs, uh, we've been seeing different things discussed, such as wisdom, who can have wisdom, who doesn't want wisdom, speech, the effect of our speech, what speech will tell about the maturity of a person, different things like that. And so we're going to finish up this section. Now, we're not done with individual Proverbs, because then the next section is, again, another section of individual Proverbs. So... Let's start with verse 12, and we're going to look at the issue again of discipline. A scoffer does not love one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise. Now, here's the point. A scoffer resists all efforts to reform him. A scoffer is, is, a, is a basically, he is un... He's unteachable. He does not like someone who will correct him. And he will go to any extreme not to be corrected. Because as far as he's concerned, he doesn't need correction. He knows everything already. How many of you have met somebody like that at work? Where it doesn't matter how many times you correct them. They get angry at you. In fact, you become the number one heavy guy on their list. You become the number one enemy. They hate you. And then it doesn't, it's just like they go to all extremes to keep from getting correction. Have you ever met somebody like that? Yes. Think about that person at home. Think about what they're training at home. Did you understand? Think about what they're training at home. So we see the issue of discipline there. Look at verse 13, the issue of emotions now. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Okay, here's the point. The emotional condition of a person has an effect on the body. The emotional condition of a person has an effect on the body. Now, I want you to notice this was, this is a conclusion that took place from a scientific research 3,000 years ago. This is not some study that just came out by some university study. This is Solomon telling you, writing this 3,000 years ago, he can already tell you that a person's emotional condition is going to affect the health of their body. It's going to affect the health of their body. Okay, look at verse 14 now. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge. But the mouth of the fools, mouth of fools feeds on foolishness. Okay, here's the issue of knowledge. A discerning person seeks more knowledge, but a fool is content with his folly. A, a, a person who has understanding, discerning, is one who's always learning. Who's always learning. In fact, here's what you can know about a person who has wisdom. A person who has wisdom is always learning, learning, learning. He's teachable. But you take a fool, I'm going to tell you right now, they're not teachable. A fool will think that they have arrived. 
that they have reached the understanding of all things. And they're not willing to listen to anybody. They're not willing to listen to anybody. They have already arrived in their understanding. So what you see here is that a discerning person is going to seek more knowledge. If you are a learned person, if you're a... Now, excuse me, let me drop the word learned because that has a connotation of its own. If you are a person who is growing in wisdom, you're always going to be learning. Always going to be learning. Because you've never heard... You, 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 you understand. A person of wisdom knows that they can, there's no way that they can have all wisdom. So they're always learning something. Always learning something. Here, let me just stop for a moment and say it this way. Maybe you've read through the Bible. Is that it? Maybe you've sat in church for 20 years. Is that it? Have you arrived? No. No, you never arrived. In fact, if you read the Bible through more than once, you realize the second time, third time, fourth time, that you see things that you didn't see before. In fact, I'll say this. You, you didn't see them before because you weren't ready for them before. Do you understand? You weren't ready for them before. You know, it's not like, the, the Bible's not like a novel. It's like you can read Moby Dick one time and that's it. You know, big whale, crazy captain, got it under control. Okay? But with the Bible, it's not like that. You can read through it many times and see something different every time because the Holy Spirit is the one who communicates wisdom to you. A fool will say, well, you know, I've got it all down pat. i got this church thing okay. And I'll be honest with you, in our Baptist circles, we have had some fools, literally, who, who thought they have arrived. They couldn't be taught anything more. And some, some of you folks have met some of those folks in church, haven't you? Okay? So, knowledge. Now, look at the issue of emotions again. Verse 15. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Okay, so here's again. He's talking about emotions again. So notice what he says here. He says, life can be delightful or difficult depending on one's circumstances. Life can be delightful or difficult depending on one's circumstances. So notice what it says. All the days of the afflicted are evil. So you take a person whose emotions are that they're, they're being oppressed, they're being afflicted, every day to that person is a bad day. Did you notice that? Every day to them is a bad day. In fact, you might even say to them, man, did you, you must have had, that was exciting news. You had some kind of a, it must be an exciting day for you today. Oh, no, but, yeah, I understand that, but you won't realize what happened over here today. You know, they're, they're focusing on what happened bad rather than what happened good. And so, for the afflicted person, Solomon is saying that their emotions, it's difficult for them. But then for that happy person, notice what it says, verse 16, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. That's the guy who you say, how's your day been? And he's always, super! And you're like, you want to smack him. Because nobody can be that happy. Right? Well, there are people like that because they've chosen what to focus on. All right, now look at verse, uh, look at uh, the issue of verse 16, 17. We're going to look at spiritual versus physical wealth. Now, this is one that we need to listen to today. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord 
than great treasure with trouble. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. Verse 16, the fear of the Lord. Here's the point. The fear of the Lord brings more satisfaction than wealth with contentment. Here's what Solomon is saying. It's better for you to have just a little bit. It's better for you just to have a little bit. But have God. Have contentment in your relationship with God. Then for you to have everything, money, and still not be content. Still not be content. Still not be content. In fact, I'll be honest with you. You look at the, the, the folks, okay, let's talk about the Hollywood rich for a moment, but let's talk about folks in general. Even when, you know, you know I'll, I'll be content if I just get this amount of money. Didn't they get that amount of money? Maybe they get a raise or something. Are they content? No, it reminds me of a story of, in England, some servants who were working for an English lord. And the one, one, little maid said, oh, if I only had a hundred pounds, I would be content. If I only had a hundred pounds, I'll be content. And the Lord was walking by and he heard that. And he said, oh, I've never seen a content person before, so he gave her a hundred pounds. And she says, oh, I hope that makes you content. She says, oh, yes, Lord. And so he leaves and then she says, I should have asked for two (laughs) hundred. Do you see the issue? It's better for you to have a little and have the Lord, a meaningful relationship with Him, than to have a lot and nothing. In fact, let me just go ahead and say this. You and I need to grasp that reality point because we live in a culture today that is impressing upon you that true satisfaction, true contentment comes with what? Stuff, money. And if you don't have it, there's something wrong with you. If you're not getting a new car every two years, you've got a problem. If you're not wearing the latest styles and clothes, you've got a problem. You know, there's there's an issue there. Because here's the thing. Here's what will happen. See, I think the problem is, is that the reason why, and I've been examining this in light of my own life, The reason why we strive after the stuff is because we're trying to fill a hole of contentment that will only come with God. So for some, it's food. For some, it's stuff. For some, it's a hobby. For some, it's work. And we're trying to fill all these holes in our lives, but the hole that is we're trying to fill, can only be filled by one, and that's a relationship with God. That's the last place we turn to. See, this is what the point Solomon makes. It's better for you to have little and have a relationship, the fear of the Lord, than have a lot and have difficulty, have problems. That's verse 16. Now look at verse 17. Again, he's going to take a little bit of a different focus, now moving it one step further, not just with the relationship with God, but he's going to talk about relationships in general. Better is a dinner of herbs. Now, what are herbs? Anybody know what herbs are? Yeah, just a mixture of greens. Okay, better is a dinner of herbs where love is 
Better to have a dinner like that in a home where love is than what? A fatted calf with what? Hatred. Here's the point. Loving relationships with nothing is more than great wealth with hatred. In fact, there's a Christian group called Big Daddy Weave. How many of you have heard of Big Daddy Weave? Only, only a few of you, okay. And he, I think it was probably about ten years ago, they had a song about the two Joneses. And in the song, it talks about two couples of Joneses. One had nothing, but they had a loving relationship. The other, big, big job, everything, they end up getting in divorce. They end up getting in divorce. See, that's the point. That's the point of what Solomon is saying. Do you think this verse is applicable to today? Yeah, because what are we striving for? Money and stuff, yes. Does that bring happiness in the home? It doesn't. Someone might say, well, well, it makes life a little easier. Yeah, maybe as far as stuff is concerned. But if your relationships aren't right, it doesn't matter how much stuff you have. Look, we just talked about emotions and how your emotions affect your health. You start having stress at home, I can almost guarantee it's going to affect you. It's going to affect you. So, you see the difference between the focus on what was spiritual wealth and physical wealth. So, here's the point. Here's the point I want you to grasp. Listen to me. We are easily caught up in what the culture is seeking after. We are easily caught up in that. And it's so easy to fall in that trap. But that's not where contentment is. Contentment is found in relationships. Number one, relationship with God. And number two, relationship in our homes with our families. Relationships are more important. It's got to be relationships. It's got to be relationships. It's got to be. And you say, well, you know what? If we do that, what do we... Look, did not God say He would provide your needs? Trust in Him first. But we're, we're smart, aren't we? We're smart enough to cause ourselves a lot of problems. Okay, let's go on. Verse 18, patience. Oh, we need to learn this one. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger allays contention. Here's what he's saying, the issue of patience. A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, whereas a patient man can quiet quarrels. A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension. If you've got a hot head, okay, you've got a hot head, I mean, he could just... I mean, he'll just, a fight will erupt in a moment. And I, I, immediately, some of you are picturing Baptist business meetings right now. Just boom. Just hotheads everywhere. They come loaded for bear, you know. But a quiet man, a patient man, will quiet what? He will quiet the quarreling. He will quiet the quarreling. The issue of diligence. Look at verse 19. The way of the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. Here's, here's the point. 
Diligence normally determines progress in life. Do you see the word picture that he's giving here? He says, the way of a lazy man is a way of thorns. How many of you like to, if you're walking through the woods, how many of you like to just go right, go right through the briar patch? As soon as you see that briar patch, what are you doing? Here, you're going around it. Okay, unless you're hunting with rod. Okay. That's because he's got those special pants on. Okay. All right. Now, but that's what he's saying. The way of a lazy man, except now I want you to picture, picture it in your mind. Picture the word picture in your mind. A lazy man, whatever direction he goes in, there's thorns. He turns to the left, there's thorns. He turns to the right, there's thorns. So what does he do? He doesn't do anything. But notice what Solomon says. The diligent man, the way of the upright, is a highway. It's a highway. See, that's what the point I want you to see here is, is that diligence determines progress in life. See, we need to start learning this again in our culture, don't we? That you can't get anything in life unless you what? Work for it. It's just not going to be handed to you. Although a lot of people would like it to be handed to you. You've got to work for it. Okay, look at verse 20 now, the issue of wisdom. Verse 20, a wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. So here's the issue. The actions of a child affect the joy of the parents. Here, Solomon's right. I mean, if you've got a son who's wise, daddy is proud. Isn't daddy proud? But then notice something. In fact, this is a reflection of another verse we saw earlier in our study in Proverbs. But a foolish man despises his mother. Now, why do you think it says that? Why do you think it says that he does, a foolish man despises his mother? I want you to think about their culture. It's an agrarian culture. Who's the primary person who's raising the children? Mom. Mom is the one who is imparting what? Instruction to the children about life in general. Because dad, he's either sitting with the elders, or he's out in the field, or he's snoozing. That's just their culture. So when it says that a wise son brings joy, or it makes a father's heart glad, dad can be proud. He didn't have anything to do with it, but he can be proud. But a foolish son despises his mother. What do you think that means? Based upon what we talked to you about the context. Okay. He doesn't want to talk to her because he's going to tell her, she's going to tell him what he's doing wrong. So he despises his mother. Okay, that's one aspect of it. That's good, Bruce. Anybody else? He already knows everything. What's he saying about her instruction when it says that he despises her? What's that? He wants somebody else to blame. Okay. What were you going to say, Tim? Yeah, he's already decided that your instructions aren't worth it. How many of you have had feelings like that towards your parents when you were growing up? Like, I'm not going to listen to what you're saying. Yeah, a lot of us have, haven't we? Yeah. Till you get out on your own, then you realize what? Yeah, that your parents were pretty smart. All right, look at uh, verse 21. We're going to get through this. 21. Folly is joy to him who is destitute of discernment. But a man of understanding walks uprightly. Here's the issue of conduct. A fool delights in his folly, whereas one who has insights follows a straight course. 
You ever notice that a foolish person will delight in doing wrong? They just think it's fun. They just think it's fun. We were down in Pittsburgh. We saw a poster that said, the time that it takes to steal a car is the time that it takes to pour a cup of coffee. And Lori's like, what does that mean? I said, it's a poster trying to get them to quit stealing cars and go to work. Now, a fool isn't going to understand that poster, is he? Uh, so, you know, th- the whole point here is, is that a fool delights in his folly. So, you ever notice, you wonder, why would they steal cars? Because they're foolish and they think it's fun to steal cars. They think it's fun to steal cars. They think it's fun to do the stuff they're doing. Why do they go, the kids and teenagers go and trash people's hunting camps? Because they think it's cool. They think it's fun. What does that reveal about them? They're foolish. They're foolish. Okay? Look now at the issue of advice. Look at verse 22. Without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. The success of plans requires using good advice. Look, there's a piece of wisdom here for you and I to grasp. Before you just launch out and do something, you really need to check with a group of people that you trust Not a group of people who are yes people, but a group of people who will, what? Tell you the truth. This is a good verse for courtship. What do you mean? For those of you who are single here, let me help you. I think it's over on this side of the room, isn't it? Okay. All my single people over here, listen to this. The number one, number two big decision in your life is the issue, number one decision is salvation. The number two issue that you have to make in life is what? Yeah, who you marry. Can I be honest with you? You don't make that decision alone. You don't make that decision alone. You really need counsel. And in the multitude of counselors, what? You'll have some good advice. Here, I'll give you, I won't go any further. I'll just give you an example of what I'm talking about. I married Lori when I was 27. She was 25. And... When we marry, the whole year of courtship, I'll use the term courtship because we don't use that anymore. The whole year of courtship, we determined from the very beginning that we were going to get the feedback of our friends and family because our friends and family could see through love. When you are in love, okay, and I, and I act that way because that's the way you are. Love, okay, you're dumb. When you're in love, you're dumb. Because you can't, in fact, when you're in love, you're like this. You can't see anything. Yeah, and what I'm talking about is trying to unplug the ears, okay? So we determined from the very beginning in our relationship that what our friends and what our family said was going to be very important. So for me, it was my colleagues. And my family, and for Lori, was her family. And if at many, any point any one of them had a red flag concerning our relationship, that would end it. Boom. It was done. So guess what we did as far as activity? We spent a lot of time with family. We spent a lot of time with our friends. And seeing and allowing them to see us interact together. Why? Because in the multitude of counselors... What? There is, there is protection. There's sound advice there. 
See, when you go off and do your own thing, and you ignore the advice of others around you, you're really you're setting yourself up for a problem later on. And you're talking about the number two biggest decision of your life. Biggest decision of your life. Then comes the later on decisions, which now, can I be honest with you, this is the one I'm learning as a guy. Okay? That my wife now, I need to listen to my wife. She's not here today, I can tell you that. Okay? All right. She's sick, so nobody call her. So now I'm learning, as I'm making decisions, part of my circle of counselors, the very next person next to me, is my wife. So when I make important decisions now, I make them with my wife. You see what I'm saying? So here's what he's saying. He's trying to get you to understand the whole issue is as you're progressing through life, you need to have people around you who are going to help you to guide, guide you in making those decisions. Do you understand what I'm saying? Guide you in making those decisions. Because when you make them by yourself, it's like throwing dice. It's like flipping a coin. You know, it's like flipping a coin. You're not sure what's going to happen. And a person of wisdom recognizes that they what? They don't know everything. Is that correct? They don't know everything. All right, let's continue on here. Verse 23, speech. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, but a word spoken spoken in due season, how good it is. Now, here's the point. Appropriately spoken words delight the hearer and the speaker. Being wise about when you speak. Being wise about when you speak. This is the exact opposite of some of the other verses where we talked about the fool who just just speaks it out and really just causes a lot of harm. Here is the person who is being wise about when they speak and notice what he says here. He kind of, it's almost interesting how he puts it. Notice what he says. A man has, the, has joy by the answer of his mouth, and the word spoken in due season, how good it is. Here's what he's saying. When you delay, when you're not just blurting it out there, but you're considering it, and you may not even say something the first week or the second, but in due season... You have joy, you have a delight in the fact that your word spoken at the right time. Did you understand what I'm saying? Spoken at the right time. All right, look at verse 24 now. We're going to look at the issue of conduct again. The way of life winds upward for the wise, that he may turn away from hell below. Wisdom can keep a person from premature death. Wisdom can keep a person from premature death. Wisdom is not going to keep you from dying. Let me just say this. It's not going to keep you from dying. But wisdom will keep you from a premature death. Wisdom will keep you from a premature death. All right, look now at the issue of divine justice. Verse 25. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the boundary of the widow. Here's the thing. The Lord tears down the possessions, tears the possessions of the proud down, whereas he protects widows. God has a special place. You know, here, can I be honest with you? In their cultures, in agrarian culture, the most destitute in that culture 
were the widows and the fatherless. The most destitute were the widows and the fatherless. Because why? When the husband died, there went their whole means of providing provision for themselves. They were the most destitute. In fact, you say, wow, I can't even imagine that. Well, let me transport you over to Afghanistan. Do you realize it's the same issue going on in Afghanistan right now? The problem was is when the Taliban were ruling, they said that the widows, because of their, their law, because of their Islam, the widows were not allowed to do anything. So guess what? They were starving. That's almost like the biblical culture, I'll be honest with you. And so, whenever you read through the Old Testament and the New Testament, you see that God has a special place in His heart for who? Widows and the orphans. Widows and the orphans, because, I'll be honest with you, they're the rejects of society, is what He was saying here in that time. Look now the issue of plans, verse 26. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant. The Lord detests everything of the wicked, whereas He delights in the pure. The Lord detests everything about the wicked, but He delights in the pure. Look at verse 27 now, the issue of contentment. He who is greedy for gain troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will live. Greed brings destruction. But integrity will provide, what, longevity. You, you have a person who is, is engrossed in greed. And I'm not just talking about money. You can be coveting stuff. Your whole focus is stuff. And you're eating up with it. That will cause problems at home. It'll bring destruction at home because if it's consuming you, it will be, it'll be manifested at home. Does everybody understand? And he'll destroy his own house. He'll destroy his own house. In fact, let me just be honest with you. Listen to this. This is how real, this is 3,000 years later, this is how real Solomon is about this. Anybody know what one of the biggest reasons, probably the number one reason why people are divorcing today? Financial difficulties. Really? Yes. And they start out with a, they already start out ready to have financial difficulties. You know what the average cost, this is according to the, according to the, uh, a survey done in the USA to, in, as far as America. The average cost for a wedding today is between 30 and 40. Now, some of you dads are sitting there, some of you dads are sitting there, dads are sitting there and you're like, holy cow! Because, you know, Dad, and he's already pulling out, remember those pictures with Dad pulling out his pocket saying he's all done. Well, here's what's happening. Dad can't afford to pay that today. So guess who pays for it? The couples. Guess what they start off their marriages with? And what, what, what do they have a house? Do they have a car? <laughs> now, now, what I'm saying is, is, do they have something to show for the 30 or 40 they just dropped? A wedding dress that's stuck in mothballs up in the attic. See, here's my point. But what usually happens with financial things is you've got two people who don't know how to handle finances, and, and usually a lot of times it's one person who spends more than the other. And they get themselves in hawk, beyond, their, beyond it, and guess what happens? They start fighting, 
It affects every other area of their life. And then they're divorced. And then nobody has anything. Except debts. The greed, greed is consuming and it will bring destruction. All right, let's, let's go on here. Speech. Look at verse 28. We're going to go through these real quick. Verse 28 is the issue of speech. The eyes are cautious in who they answer, whereas the wicked blurt out vicious things. Again, the wise are cautious. Here's, here's the issue about speech. Listen to me. The issue about speech. Over and over and over, the Proverbs are going to tell you to be what about your speech? Cautious. Think about what you're saying before you say it. Consider what you are saying before you are saying it. And what, what it often over and over will say is, is that a foolish person, a wicked person, just speaks their mind. In fact, let me just go ahead and say this. This is what the Bible talks about somebody who just speaks their mind. That they are either wicked or foolish. Or both. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? All right, let's uh, go now to the issue of prayer. Look at verse 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. God refuses to hear the prayers of the wicked, but he hears the righteous. You ever hear an unsaved person say, well, I pray to God all the time. Don't tell them this verse. First of all, they won't understand it. But you have an understanding. If they don't know Jesus, does he hear their prayers? No. Look at the issue now, verse 30, the issue of speech. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and a good report makes bones healthy. A positive person's encouragement is helpful and uplifting. Think about the last time somebody encouraged you. Last time somebody spoke words of encouragement to you, how did you feel? You feel terrible? Or did you feel good? You probably felt good. It probably lifted you up in that moment. Look now at the issue of character traits. Verse 31. The ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. Here's what it says. A teachable person will become wise. A teachable person will become wise. Look now at verse 32. He who disdains instruction despises his own soul, but he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. Accepting discipline is important to, a, to personal development. Now, this is totally countercultural to today. We're, we have states today that want to ban discipline. But this is actually part of the formation of a person's life. All right, look now at verse 33. The fear of the Lord is the fear of the Lord is instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. Fear of the Lord brings wisdom and honor is what I want you to see there. Okay, let's have a word of prayer and we'll close our time and get ready for the morning service.